Welcome to the Everyday Style School podcast, where we believe life is better when you love the way you look, style doesn't have to be complicated, and getting dressed can actually be fun. It's time to ditch that closet full of nothing to wear and instead create a fabulous functional wardrobe that makes you feel stylish, confident, and ready for anything. I'm your host, Jennifer Mary, and I've been dressing real women for almost 20 years. There isn't a body type or wardrobe challenge I haven't seen. And in this podcast, I'll share practical lessons from my journey that you can use to make creating a look you love easier than you ever imagined. Get ready to love getting dressed again. Hello, gorgeous, and welcome back to another episode of the Everyday Style School podcast. Today, we are talking all about style rules. And while I think for the most part, they are all a bunch of worthless nonsense, today I want to tackle a few that I hear most commonly or that I've heard women really hang on to for dear life. And then I also want to share three that aren't BS and three I think you should follow. Also today, we're going to talk about a shoe style you should probably own, a trend that women's wear daily declared over, even as it's still going strong for everyday women. And we're going to talk about the time I was called frivolous. It was one of my most shining moments. First, though, did you do your homework from episode 17? I challenged you to start looking at your closet and figuring out what items make up your personal must-haves. It's a great way to understand what's really important in your own wardrobe, and it helps you to buy better in the future. As always, if you didn't do it, no big deal, just do it this week. Let's get this party started, as always, with lessons from Linda. Today's Linda is different because she wasn't a client I worked with, but there's definitely a lesson to be found in her thoughts on style and its importance. Back when I was living in Northern Virginia, one of my very favorite things to do was to speak to mops groups. I used to speak to probably 20 groups a year or so, and I miss it like crazy. So if you are a mops group in the Twin Cities area, please call me or any kind of women's group. I want to talk to your ladies. Anyway, if you're not familiar with what mops is, it's a it's a group. It stands for Mothers of Preschoolers. They meet every other week and you get to actually eat a hot breakfast, have someone else watch your kids connect with other women. It's a wonderful thing. And if you are in those early stages of motherhood and you are struggling and you are lonely, go find a mops group near you. Mops is special to me because uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, I was a mops mama and I met my very best friends there. The other reason that mops is so special to me is that my business was born in a mops group when a friend of mine asked me to speak at her group and it changed my life forever. We would not be here today. Literally, we would not be here if it wasn't for mops. So I loved giving back to that organization. Anyway, this was my last Mops talk of the season and my very last in Northern Virginia. And I was a little sentimental about it. I, I love this these women. I love this group. And I was really sad to leave this behind. I gave my talk, I answered questions, I visited ladies at their tables, held some babies, and then it was time to close. Now, Mops is a Christian group, so we closed with prayer. If you are not a praying girl, just hang with me. If you are a praying girl, please understand that I would never, ever criticize someone's prayer ever. That is not what this is about. But the prayer started like this. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be here, to gather together today, to connect with other moms in the same season of life. Good stuff, right? Then the leader said this, 
We know that it's what's inside that matters, but we thank you for the opportunity to focus on something frivolous for a little while and give our minds a rest. And that is where our lesson from Linda starts. First of all, I agree it is what's inside that matters. I would rather be friends with wonderful people with terrible outfits than terrible people with wonderful outfits. I am absolutely with her there. But frivolous? My first thought was, um, I'm right here. I can hear you. Just because my eyes are closed doesn't mean my ears are. Now, I'm human enough to admit that my ego is a little bit bruised. After all, I had spent the first half of my day with these women, giving all I had to help them feel good about themselves. And then my life's work was called frivolous. Yep, that absolutely stung a little bit. But I got over it pretty quick, and then I got mad. I didn't get mad for me, but I got mad for the women in the audience who may have heard me speak about making yourself a priority, even in the little kid years, and thought, you know, maybe I could feel better about myself. Maybe all I need is a better pair of jeans to get out of this frump slump. And then they were told that that idea was frivolous, and maybe it knocked them back down a little bit, and that made me angry. I thought about the husband who emailed me after his wife and I went shopping. They had four little kids really close together, and they hadn't been on a date in five years. She wasn't interested. She didn't want to spend the effort to get a sitter, blah, 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 all the things we say. But she came home from that shopping trip and showed her husband her new clothes and said, let's get a babysitter and go out to dinner. He thanked me for giving him his wife back. Friends, that is not frivolous. I thought about the women who have come to me needing to go back to work or going for a promotion, and we dressed them to reach their new goals, which they did, confident in how they looked. That is not frivolous. I thought about the woman who told me she hadn't felt pretty in 50 years and finally did. That is not frivolous. I share this Diana Vreeland quote a lot, but it is truly the guiding path for my business and why I do what I do, and it is this. It is not about the dress. It's about the life you live in the dress. I believe that with all my heart, but I would add that when you don't have the dress for the life you want to live, it is about the dress. When not having that dress is holding you back, it is about the dress. I've had clients skip their friends' weddings because they had nothing to wear. I shared the story of the Linda who didn't want a fabulous trip to New York because she had nothing to wear. When you don't have the clothes you need to look the way you want to look for the way you want to live, it is about the clothes. And if those things are holding you back, it's not frivolous. It is not frivolous at all. The only thing I want you to take away from this lesson from Linda is this. How you feel about yourself isn't frivolous. And whether we like it or not, or whether we want to admit it or not, how you look is a big part of that. If you are stuck in a rut and you want to make changes, don't let anyone tell you this is frivolous. And with that, let's move on to our word of the week. Today's word is Chelsea boot. Chelsea is spelled C-H-E-L-S-E-A and pronounced Chelsea. Now, I figure everyone knows how to pronounce this, but my ninth grade math teacher called a girl in my class Shalessa for an entire year. So maybe he's not the only one, and maybe you're like, oh, that's how that's pronounced. So now you know. Chelsea boots are an ankle-high fitted boot with no laces. They have elastic panels on the side to help them get on and off, and the more casual versions sometimes feature a little tab on the back to help pull them up. They're often flat, but you can find heeled versions too. Chelsea boots were designed for Queen Victoria, who complained about laces getting caught in her stirrups. 
They were made fashionable in 1960s in London in a neighborhood called Chelsea, which explains the name. I'm covering this one because this is a really good basic booty to have in your wardrobe. It's great with leggings, jeans, pants, dresses, skirts, really anything. They can look casual or they can be a little dressy. If you want a versatile booty that can do a lot, look for a Chelsea boot. For that reason, they're also a great thing to pack for when you travel because they can do so much. If you are ready to invest in a pair of booties, this is a great candidate for spending a little more on as the look is timeless and you'll get a lot of wear out of them. If you're adding Chelsea boots to your wardrobe this season and you want something a little bit on the trendier side, look for a lug sole. The only challenges my clients have had with Chelsea boots are two of them. First of all, women with bigger feet, boat-like, their word, not mine, feel like Chelsea boots make their feet look longer. If this is your situation, go for one with a heel. Changing the pitch of your foot from totally flat to slightly elevated can make a big difference. The other challenge I've seen is women with really high instep who have a hard time getting their feet in the boot because there isn't an opening. Now, if that's you, look for one with a zipper on the inside. It won't be a true Chelsea boot, but you'll still get the look. As always, I've got links in the show notes for examples of Chelsea boots and some of my favorites. Let's see what's going on in current events today. Today, I want to share an article from Women's Wear Daily, which is a trade magazine that is ridiculously expensive, and only about 3% of it applies to the way real women get dressed. But there are some good nuggets like this article, which reads, the headline is, Goodbye to the Statement Earring. Goes on to say, the trend that weighed down women's earlobes for half a decade appears to be dwindling from fashion. Now, I found this interesting because in real people's shopping world, women haven't been wearing huge tassels, fringe hoops, and mega dangles for five years. It's probably been closer to two or three. So what does this mean for you? Well, obviously, it means that the trends that we're seeing in high fashion are not necessarily the trends that are coming down to real people. It means that regular women like you and me are going to be seeing these statement earrings around a little longer because things come to us a little bit later and they go a little bit later. But I think they'll probably start to phase out in the next 18 months or so. I share this with you because it's really easy to look at magazines or trend reports and think that that's what's happening now for everyone, when in reality, not really. The first two pages of earrings on Nordstrom's website are still big old statement earrings. I saw them at Target the other day, and even Ann Taylor is showing lots of big, bold styles. So if you love adding some interest to your outfit with big, flashy earrings, keep wearing the ones you've got. This trend is hanging on for regular people for a while. If you find a pair that you love, you should feel okay buying them. I really, really think we're going to be seeing them around for a while. But I'd also be on the lookout for what's coming next. I'm seeing lots of hoops, both your basic variety and geometric kind of statement versions. I'm also seeing shrunken statement earrings, which are mini versions of the big things we've been wearing. They can add a lot of personality to your wardrobe, even with their small size. The other reason I share this with you is that it's important to remember that accessories are not immune to trends or to looking dated. A lot of women think accessories stay in style forever when in fact they date just like everything else. To know if your jewelry collection is current looking, look at the stores where you like to shop. Does what they're selling look like what you're wearing? If it doesn't, your pieces may be past their prime. And if that matters to you, it could be time for an update. Okay, friends, let's settle in for today's Everyday Style Lecture. 
today we're taking on style rules, which ones you should absolutely ignore and which ones you should probably follow a little bit more. In researching this episode, and by researching, of course, I mean Googling, I found so many articles. They all had titles like five outdated style rules, 20 style rules to break, 50 style rules to ignore. Apparently, there are a ton of style rules, many of which I had never even heard of, and I just choose to ignore those completely. I narrowed it down to those I actually hear women say, either in my groups on Facebook or clients I've worked with personally, or rules that kind of speak to a larger issue. I chose seven rules you can break without a second thought, and then added three rules I think every woman needs to hear and frankly follow. Here goes. Let's start with seven rules to break. Number one, no white after Labor Day. This one comes up in the groups every year around Labor Day. This year, though, women asked if it meant no white tops either, which is a very, very strict interpretation of the rule that, frankly, I'd never heard. Traditionally, this really meant shoes and, to a lesser extent, bottoms like pants and skirts. It was never supposed to apply to tops. You can wear your white blouses and your white tees all year round. In fact, you can wear all of your white all year round. White jeans look amazing with cozy sweaters and and boots or booties. And white booties have actually been having a really big moment for the last couple of years. Now, if you listen to my podcast on dressing for changing seasons, I did say I put my white linen pants away because they felt super summery to me. And they do, not just because they're white, but because they're linen and wide leg and meant to be worn with sandals. My white jeans, however, are still going strong. This one is just old, 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 let it go. Number two, short girls shouldn't wear long dresses or short girls shouldn't wear cropped pants. This one I heard a lot from my one-on-one clients. I get it, short girls. You don't want to look even shorter, but don't dismiss either of these out of hand. Let's talk about long dresses first. The truth is creating length in your outfit is one of the best ways to look taller and nothing creates more length than a long dress in one solid column of color. If you're really concerned about looking shorter in a long dress, stick to a one color style instead of one with lots of breaks in color. Now, the same thing goes for crop pants. They can actually make you look taller too. When you show a little skin at your ankle, it looks like your legs are just too long for those pants and it creates an optical illusion that makes you look taller. Pair them with shoes that lengthen the look. Check out episode 16 for more tips on that. But don't shy away from ankle pants for fear of looking short. In my opinion, the biggest style mistake petites make is wearing clothes that are too big or too voluminous, which can overwhelm you. But neither of these things, long dresses or crop pants, necessarily make you look shorter. Number three, tall girls shouldn't wear heels. Okay, short girls, pay attention to this one too because it applies to you as well. In general, there is very little you can do to look much shorter or much taller. And whatever height you are is perfect and does not need to be managed. Tall women for years have told me that they don't wear heels because they're quote unquote too tall as it is. Too tall? For who? For what? To go play in the play area at the mall? What are you too tall for? Now, I understand that there are a lot of women who don't want to be taller than their partner, and if that's your deal, you do you, but you should never feel like you can't wear pieces you love because you're too anything. On my first date with my husband, he took me to the Smithsonian Zoo in Washington. I'm a total zoo freak. And when we were looking at the giraffes, a little girl said to her mom, I want to be as tall as a giraffe someday. And her mom said to her, 
Don't get too tall. You'll never get a boyfriend. What the hell? Why would you say that? Like we need more complexes about our bodies as we get older. Good job, mom. But my point is you're not too tall for anything. If you like the shoes, wear them. If you hate the way you look in heels, you don't have to wear them. But don't let someone else's definition of too anything stop you. Number four, avoid horizontal stripes. I tell you, if I had a dollar for every time I've been asked about horizontal stripes, I would be a wealthy, wealthy woman. Here's how it works. The wider the stripe, the bigger the widening effect. But as the stripes get thinner, the effect is lessened. And super narrow micro stripes can actually minimize things. Before I had my breast reduction, which is a topic for another day, I had two tops, one red and white, one black and white. And they had tiny, skinny micro stripes. And every time I wanted to make my girls look smaller, I wore one of those. Those tops, their cost per wear was in the fraction of pennies because they did their job like you wouldn't believe. So I want you to think about this stripe discussion when I get to rule number two that you should know. We're going to come back to this, but I don't want to give it away yet. So let's go to number five. But what I do want you to remember is you don't have to avoid horizontal stripes forever or completely, but you do need to remember that the wider the stripe, the bigger the widening effect, the narrower the stripe, the more that is diminished. Number five. Your bag slash shoes slash belt should match. There's some style rule out there about some combination of these things. Your shoes and belt should match. Your shoes and bag should match. Your belt and bag should match. You don't have to follow any of them. Now, it's not wrong to match these things. You can, but you don't have to. Matchy-matchy looks tend to appear a little dressier and a little more, how do we say, mature. Eclectic looks or looks that kind of coordinate with each other but don't necessarily match, they appear more casual and more stylish. I love an accent belt or a pop of color in shoes. I tend to stay neutral on bags, but I have some great night out clutches that are a statement unto themselves and don't match anything. These accessories are also a great way to work in some pattern mixing without fully committing. Have fun with these pieces and don't feel like you need to match. Number six, you should only wear shapes or colors that are best on you. One of the biggest concerns I have about doing this podcast or doing my style masterclasses is that by teaching you how to find your best, you're going to put yourself into a narrow definition of what you can wear based on looking your absolute best all the time. I hate the thought of that. I don't believe in hot versus not or good versus bad. I believe in good, better, best. Let me explain. You get up, you put on a top you like, you look good. Or you get up, you get dressed in a top that whose color brings out your best features or a silhouette that is flattering, you look better. Or you get up, you get dressed in a top that has the right neckline, the right sleeve shape, the right hem length, the right color, you get my drift, and you look your best. It's a great ideal, but here's my problem with best. Best can be absolutely exhausting. Best can be super limiting. I'm working on the masterclass right now for the capsule community on finding your best colors, and I did a little experiment. I set a timer for 45 minutes and did some online shopping for my best pieces. They had to be in the right colors, the best colors. They had to be in the right silhouettes, the right fabrics, necklines, everything. In 45 minutes, I found about 
six things, three of which I actually liked, none of which I loved. I felt defeated. I felt sad. I felt like, why bother? And guys, I love clothes. They make me really happy. But after almost an hour of only looking for best, I was over it. Then I set a timer for 45 minutes and looked for better. I opened up my color selection from the eight best colors for me to the 30 colors that I look better in. I opened up my style options to include two or three requirements, but not all of them. Like it had to have the right neckline and fabric, or it had to have the right sleeve type and and hem length, whatever. Just, Just a couple of requirements. After 45 minutes, I had online carts full of pieces that made me happy, pieces that felt like me and were better for me than most things on the website. Better pieces that make you happy beat best pieces that don't thrill you, hands down, any day of the week. Audrey Hepburn said it best, happy girls are the prettiest, and I could not agree with her more. Side note, just a little fun story. The three people that I've worked with to find my quote unquote best colors have all said I could never wear black, ever, ever. You know what these three women had in common? They were all women who looked phenomenal in black. Maybe it's easier to say, just cut black out of your life if you aren't actually faced with that reality. It's not a very realistic option long-term for most women. I know that brown is becoming, it's, it's definitely having a moment this fall and we're seeing more of the warmer colors, but really it's tough to avoid black. And I think if these women were in a situation where it, it wasn't easy for them, they may have a little bit better advice on how to approach colors that aren't best for you. But that's a story for another day. Anyway, all right, let's move on to number seven. No short skirts after 40, no long hair after 50. I bet there are a ton of rules out there regarding style and age, but these are the two that I hear a lot. While I have an issue with the idea that on your 40th birthday, you have to have a mini skirt bonfire, or on your 50th birthday, the first thing you should do is get a haircut, I think there is something in this rule that we can use. I would say don't be wearing the same short skirts at 40 as you did 20, and don't have the same long hairstyle at 50 as you did at 30. Do we need to get dowdy and frumpy as we age? Heck no. You should still wear the pieces that you like and make you feel good. Do we need to evolve our style as we age? Heck yes. You should always be reevaluating where you are style-wise, what's appropriate for your lifestyle, your body, your current situation. I'm 45 and I don't own a skirt that goes past my knees. I probably never will. As an apple, I will battle my belly forever, but I've got rockin' legs. Why would I ever cover those up? However, the short skirts I wear now are just a little bit above the knee. Unlike the short skirts I wore in my early 20s that, looking back, were probably really indecent. If you want more on style and aging, check out episode eight on style choices that age you. All right, those are my seven rules that you can absolutely ignore. Now let's talk about three rules you absolutely should follow. Number one, fit is everything. I know I've talked about this before, but this is hands down the number one thing that kills your style. Clinton Kelly said this, if you don't have fit, you don't have style. I think women take this to mean that clothes need to be fitted and they don't want that. So they ignore this rule, but it's not what it means at all. There are styles that are meant to be flowy or oversized, but even with those, it's important to focus on fit. For example, I've worked with lots of clients who wear two big blouses or tops and they say, oh, they're flowy. No, that's not how it works. Flowy blouses that fit 
still fit in the shoulder. They have the correct sleeve length. They have necklines that don't gap. Two big blouses maybe have that flowy fit through the midsection, but everything else is off. If you haven't listened to episode 10 on the basics of proper fit, you need to. Over and over, my clients have told me that they had no idea how clothes were supposed to fit, but once they see proper fit, they can't unsee it. It is that powerful. If you want to be obsessive about one aspect of your clothing, make it the fit. The second rule you should be following is this, understand proportion. Please note, I did not say understand proportion, learn your best proportions, and never, ever, ever, ever deviate from those proportions. I simply said, understand it. So much of style and flattery and why we like what we like on ourselves has to do with proportion. What is proportion? Well, dictionary.com defines it as this, a part, share, or number considered in comparative relation to a whole. That last part is really important. Let me give you an example. I've had probably hundreds of women over the years say to me that they're an apple because they have a bigger waist measurement than they like or that they used to. What I don't say to them is, yeah, but your butt is even bigger than your waist because that would be rude and mean. And I try really hard not to be rude and mean. But really, we're not looking at the size of the waist. We're looking at the size of the waist in relation to or in proportion to the size of the hips or the size of the bust. Your waist measuring 34 inches means nothing. Now, if your waist is 34 inches and your hips are 44 inches, you actually have a small waist in proportion to your hips. If your waist is 34 inches and your hips are 32 inches, you have a large waist in proportion to your hips. The measurement doesn't matter. It's what we're comparing it to. This applies to your body type as well as your vertical body types. Are your legs long in proportion to your torso or vice versa? That's an important thing to know. Proportion also comes into play in our outfits, where we put lines, where we put volume, where our tops end, where our skirts end. Think of proportion as a giant if-then statement. If I wear high-rise jeans, then my legs look longer. Going back to our horizontal stripes, I've had plenty of pear-shaped clients avoid horizontal stripe tops because of that stupid rule. But if pear should say, If my top half looks a little broader because of these wide stripes, then it balances out my lower half. Whereas an apple would say, if my top half looks broader in these wide stripes, then my lower half looks even narrower in comparison. Now, does that mean as an apple, you should never, ever, ever wear that wide stripe top? Heck no. You should understand the proportion though and what those garments are going to do and then make your decision. Understanding proportion in general and your proportion specifically will help you figure out why you like some things and why you don't and what to tweak to find things that are right for you. If you head into a fitting room and something is off, look at the proportion. Look at the proportion of your body. Are the clothes working for it? Look at the proportion of the outfit. Is it doing the right things for your body? Finally, my last rule to follow is this. Wear what you love. That's it. Wear what you love. I got to admit, I don't understand why women don't focus on this rule more. When you focus only on buying, keeping, and wearing things you love, style magic happens. 
The thing is, you have to get dressed. You can't leave your house naked. You have to shop every now and then. You run out of clothes. They get holes in them. You outgrow them, whatever. Why are you buying things you don't love? Why are you wearing things you don't love? Don't tell me it's because you have kids or because you work out or because you go to work. Buy things you love for those occasions. Buy t-shirts you love if you're a t-shirt mom. Buy dresses and suits that light you up if that's what you wear to work. I love my pajamas. I love my socks. I love my dresses. It doesn't mean that they are expensive or dressy. It just means when I have to buy something, I buy a version of it I love. And when I have to put something on, I put on something I love. It really is that simple. All right, that's it for today, friends. Your homework for the next couple of weeks until we meet again is to focus on just one of the three rules to follow. We already agreed we're gonna let those first seven go, but choose one of those three rules to focus on. Choose fit and pay attention to the ways your to the way your clothes fit you. Go back and listen to the basics of fit episode if you need to. Choose proportion and spend some time figuring out your proportions and what that means to you and your clothes. Episodes two through six, which are the body type episodes, will probably help you a lot if you haven't already listened to them. Or choose to focus on wearing things that you love, only wearing things that you love. And if you're feeling daring, parting with a few things you don't love. That's all I got for you today, friends. I hope you have a wonderful, stylish week, and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Everyday Style School podcast. Class is dismissed for the day, but if you'd like to continue the conversation, head over to my free Facebook group, The Everyday Style Lounge. You can also visit my website for show notes, downloads, and links to resources we discussed during the episode. Go to youreverydaystyle.com forward slash podcast. Finally, be sure to subscribe to The Style School wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, I'd love if you'd leave a review and even share with your friends. Thanks so much. We'll see you back in class next week.